I'm going to read from James uh, chapter 5. This time I'm going to try not to drop my iPad uh, because it's quite costly because they break apparently. It's not a good idea to drop it on stone. So that's in a nice position and it's not going to move. Um, But I want to read from James chapter 5 and it's verses 1 to 12. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your uh, miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the labourers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury and have fastened, fattened your hearts as in, sorry, it's not funny, but um, have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed to endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. You know, there's some people who just said as it is. <laughs> James is one of them. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and it is. It's, he says it as it is. And uh, I, I, I want us to think today on this one word, patience. But I do want to say the first seven verses, it sounds as if James is having a go at the rich. He's not having a go at those with money. He is having a go at those who gain at the expense of others. Those with money who uh, corrupt and defraud and gain uh, wealth because of what they do, which is against God's will. And I think when we think about it, being in, in this beautiful island with what we have, go to a village in Kenya and all of us, no matter what wealth we have, will be considered as incredibly wealthy. We have more than most people on this planet. And so the issue that James is talking about, as through everything, and this is a challenge for each one of us, you know, whatever we have as income or whatever comes into our bank accounts or, you know, all of those things, is are we walking in line with God's word? And are we living in righteousness with him? That is essentially what this whole letter is about. James challenges every area of life, including what we do with our finances. And it may be something in your life groups that you just pick up the first seven verses and just read it and just see what God is saying to you on those verses. But I don't want to talk about that today, if that's okay. I want to speak about patience. 
You know, when we talk about patience as an overview, we can say that patience is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, love, joy, peace. Very good. <laughs> Kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and safe self-control. It's part of the, um, uh, the, what Paul talks about in Galatians 5. So that, if you like, is an overview. But very often, when we look at that list, and I'm looking at myself in the mirror, uh, and it's bouncing back very much, the one thing that rises up, probably more than other things, is impatience. How quick we are to allow impatience to rise up when uh, you know, we've been longing for something and it doesn't happen. We've been praying for something and the prayer is not answered. You know, we're tested in a way and we kind of say, God, where are you in this situation? And this impatience rising up. And I'm sure many of us here, all of us here, know cases in our own lives where we've waited for tests to come back. You know, we're waiting from the hospital and it hasn't come back. Or we're praying for someone and they're in a situation and that prayer is not being answered. And there's this impatience that rises up. God, why? Why are we waiting? Even with Ukraine going on, it's like, can't you end this conflict now? Bring peace to the world now. And I think in this fast-moving, constantly changing culture, impatience can be the very thing that holds us back. We need patience. We need to learn what it is to be patient. I was just reflecting on it and just drawn to the parable of the sower. And you remember the this, uh, this story, the farmer goes out and he scatters the seed. You know, it's impatience that throws us onto the path. And the door opens to the enemy to come and snatch the word of God for our lives. It's impatience that lands us on rocky ground. So that when difficulty comes, we're too quick to walk away rather than holding on to what God has for us. It's impatience that ties us up with the thistles, that kind of worldly distractions come and they crush and they, they, they crush their desire uh, and they affect us from actually faithfully persevering with what God is saying and telling us to do. But you know, it's the Holy Spirit's impartation of patience into our lives that keeps us rooted in good soil. And as James writes here, verse 7, patience bears precious fruit. Which is why he says this, therefore, verse 7, be patient until the coming of the Lord. None of us know when Jesus is going to come. No one, only the Father, he says, be patient until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. By the way, I, post, I um, planted my first Jersey Rule potatoes last week. I'm waiting patiently. Nothing seems to be happening at the moment. <laughs> so I can relate to this. Farmer Phil. <laughs> he says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives until it receives the early and latter rain, you also be patient. So I want us to think about patience. And I want to establish a few truths about patience. Truth number one. Patience is about being strong. Just say that with me. Patience is about being strong. 
See, I think sometimes we think patience is weakness. Patience is not weakness. You have to be strong to have godly patience. Neither is patience inactive. You have to be intentional in action to have godly patience. And neither is patience something that is momentary. You kind of pick it up when you put it down, whenever you feel like it. Patience leads to eternity. And it's rooted in good soil that bears fruit that lasts. You know, too many people fall short at the last stages of their life. I mean, we can see this in Scripture. Great kings like Solomon and Josiah. Amazing life and ministry. But towards the end, they're impatient with God. They lose sight of God's word for their lives. And they fall short. And what the writer to the Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we are also encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us. And let us run with patience. Other versions have endurance. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. We're all on this journey, this race, to the end. And we need patience. Patience is about strength, it's about being strong. But the second key as well patience is about passion. That might sound a bit unusual, but actually the word that James uses here, there are a number of words for patience in the New Testament, but this word he uses here is macrothumio. It's a kind of a compound of two words. Macro, which means long um, in terms of time, place, and distance. It's a word that's used when the prodigal son went far to a far country, a macro land. <laughs> um, he went far away. So macro is long. And then thumio, it means passionate, it means fierce, it means having a battle mentality. In other words, patience is a passion that fights to the end. Patience is a fierceness defending the heart. Patience is something that lasts a lifetime. This kind of patience is steadfast. It's enduring. It's persevering. It doesn't give up on vision or purpose and power. Having patience means we keep going no matter what. And we never let go. Do you know that kind of patience that you need? I think it's interesting that probably the first prophetic word that we were given about being given the field next door was about 10, 12 years ago. And there was a time when we thought about buying it and uh, explored the possibilities. And I think the, the sum at that time was about a million pounds. And said, absolutely not. But just imagine had we stepped out and impatiently tried to raise the money to buy the field. How much we would have missed out on the blessing that God has for us. Up the road, four years to build a toilet and extension. Times when you just wanted to just give, when I say up the road, I mean St. Lawrence. You know, times when you're just like, I've had enough of this. But you somehow just cling on with your fingertips with that patience and the fruit that is being born. We're using the church during the week up at St. Lawrence more than we have ever done. Because we can. Because of the facilities. 
You see, patience, and you'll know this from your own lives, patience means keeping going no matter what. And I suppose it raises the question for us, is, well, how do we do that? How do we keep going with that godly patience to avoid the, uh, falling into impatience? What James gives us... Okay. Nathan says there's a horrible sound coming from my mouth. <laughs> Sorry about that. Is that a bit better? How do we keep going? Well, James gives us, if you like, four components in this. And they're not necessarily obvious, but I, I kind of just like spending a bit of time. I think they're things which we can hold on to and really use as keys when we think about the whole area of patience. And the four components are a steadfast heart, a sound mind, clean hands, and an unwavering will. Okay? Steadfast heart, sound mind, clean hands, unwavering will. Verse 9. James says, You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. This word establish, it means to turn resolutely in one direction. So you can be walking one way and you turn around because that is the way to go and you keep walk, walking in that direction. Setting your gaze on the target. And for us, it's fixing our eyes on Jesus. A bit earlier on in chapter 4, he tells us what to do. Chapter 4, submit to God, resist the devil. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Humble yourselves in his sight. It's in other words, godly patience keeps us in godly presence. Godly patience keeps us in godly presence. A steadfast heart is about worshipping God no matter what. You know, when things are really tough for us, you know, what are we doing in terms of praise and worship? When we've, we hear some bad news or we're waiting for something to turn up, you know, what is our gaze fixed on? Is that the point? You turn on the worship music, full blast, and you fill your house and your home with the praise of Jesus. Because a steadfast heart keeps the gaze on him. Habakkuk, he kind of creates this reality uh, and, uh, and speaks truth in the midst of it. You probably know this passage, Habakkuk 3, verse 17 to 18. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labour of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in God, my salvation. You know, he is creating a picture that we're seeing in places like Maripol at the moment. Utter devastation, no food, no resources, no safety, no protection. And what does he say for us to do? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in God of my salvation. See, a steadfast heart is rooted deep in the precious fruit of patience. But then there's a sound mind. 
Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1. He says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You know, the sound mind that he's talking about is not like an intellectual IQ. He's speaking about the importance of us taking captive wrong thoughts, being wise in our thinking, having that godly wisdom as we speak and relate to one another. And as he goes on to say to the church in Philippi, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, good report. What does he say? Think on such things. Meditate on such things. Because he knows this is what enables us to keep going. I mean, just think of Paul's life and all that he faced. He was imprisoned a number of times. He was beaten a number of times. He was shipwrecked a number of times. He had to escape a number of times. And in that kind of place and reality of having to keep going, he knew, if you like, the virtue of, praise, uh, of patience. Knowing that as he remained patiently waiting on God, God would do all things for the good. Similarly, James knows it himself. And he knows to say to the church, you know, in the place of these difficulties, stop grumbling, verse 9. Don't allow impatience to rise up. Deal with the insecurities and the jealousies and whatever it is where we don't get our own way. Be patient. Have a steadfast heart. Have a sound mind. And of course, clean hands. Just very briefly, clean hands in the Bible is doing what is right in God's sight. Living humbly before him in terms of our homes, our lives, our work, whatever we do. Psalm 24, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who's not lifted up his soul to an idol or sworn deceitfully. You know, what better example than to cite Job. If you don't know the story of Job, read it. But Job, essentially, everything was stripped away from him. He lost his family, he lost his home, he lost everything. And yet he didn't lose his hope in God. He didn't break, if you like, the law, the Torah. And yet the legalism of his friends and the accusations of the enemy tried to break him. But through this terrible suffering... He had incredible patience and perseverance. He kept his hands clean, guiltless, clear of idolatry and free. And in the end, God blessed him more than in the beginning. It's hard, isn't it? Clean hands. When things come against us, when we're waiting for things to happen, staying in that place of purity, not falling for what we might think are quick fixes, but actually lead us down a path away from God. Hanging in there, persevering. And along with clean hands, an unwavering will. James says, verse 12, let your yes be yes, and your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. If we say we're going to follow Jesus, follow Jesus. If we say we're going to serve, serve. If we say we're going to do this or that, help in this area of ministry or whatever it is, do it. 
If we say no to temptations, certain temptations that we know that pull us down, fight it. God will give us the strength. But God is looking for unwavering wills to come in line with his will. He doesn't change. He doesn't fall away. And he wants us to hold fast. Steadfast heart, sound mind, clean hands, and an unwavering will. Patience. What's your patience looking like these days? I think as we finish, let's just think of those times when you've had the strength and the passion to be patient, waiting for God. Just think of those times when you've been waiting for an answer to prayer, but you're holding on. Those times you've been waiting for breakthrough, hanging in there, persevering. And then think of those times when you've been impatient. You've been impatient with God, frustrated that he's not answered prayer, unwilling to wait. You've even tried to push things to happen. What's the difference? We see, and I know this in my own life, godly patience avoids the pitfalls. Godly patience, it it steadies the journey that we're on. Godly patience, it, it bears fruit that lasts. And impatience does the very opposite. See, James knows this for himself. And he wants us to know it too. He was a student of patience. And he wants us to learn what it is to be patient. And he goes on to cite Elijah who is patient and his prayers rooted in patience. And we'll be looking at that next week. Elijah had a steadfast heart, a sound mind, clean hands and an unwavering will. And you see James's prayer for the church, his prayer for you and I, is that we learn this patience and that we apply this patience to our lives actively, passionately, with strength, and for the glory of God. Let's stand together.